Welcome to the Space for Faith podcast. Today we have a recorded session of Thrive, hosted by the Reverend Ash Layton Plom from St. David's Church in Exeter. If you have one, and uh, find in it the letter of James. We'll be looking at James today. And uh, a question to ponder as we all grab our Bibles or open up a Bible app on our other devices. A question to ponder is, how do you show you're a Christian? How do people around you know that you're a Christian? Uh, that one's to the Christians among us. If uh, any of you are not yet a Christian, um, how do you know if someone you meet is a Christian? What might you be looking uh, to expect in someone's words, their behaviour? Is there something that you can sense? How might you tell uh, that someone's a Christian? So friends, welcome once again to those of you just joining us. Uh, for those of you that don't yet know me, my name's Ash. I'll be leading us through this session uh, today. So if you can grab a Bible uh, and find in it the letter of James. Don't worry too much if uh, you're having some difficulty. We've got plenty of time to find it. Maybe pop in chat your thoughts on how do you show you're a Christian? Put them in the comments. In what ways do people around you uh, discover your Christianity, if you're a Christian. I'll leave you thinking on that one as uh, we move slowly forwards with the session today. So hopefully everyone's able to find a Bible or a Bible app on their uh, whatever device they're not using to join this session. And we'll be looking at the letter of James in a bit. And we're pondering, how do you show you're a Christian? What ways can you let other people around you know you own the Christian faith if you're a Christian? Fab, thank you. Seeing some comments coming in chat now. Ways that we can show our Christianity. So welcome once again to this Sunday's Thrive. Uh, today is St. James's Day. And um, a couple of people I spoke to when I said I was preparing this session said that they're very excited uh, to join it or to catch it on the podcast or see it on YouTube if we make a video because they know uh, almost nothing about St. James. Uh, I then said that it's a trick question because we'll be uh, asking which James is it anyway and uh, they then looked even more confused. So today is St. James's Day and uh, we'll be looking at some of the Jameses that show up in the Bible 
asking how many there are, and uh, particularly what we might take from the letter of James, uh, the epistle of James in the New Testament. The letter of James is one of 21 letters uh, collected in the New Testament. And we will be looking at who wrote uh, the letter of James, including which James. And then we'll study its main themes, uh, exploring how we can apply them to ourselves uh, as a mirror, if you will, a critical mirror to look in and see what we need to gussy up uh, and how we might apply the letter of James to ourselves, particularly in the coming weeks uh, over the summer break for many of us uh, and our interactions with those around us. A key text uh, to kind of anchor our discussion and our reflection on is James says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Uh, James calls us to be doers of Christian faith, not just listeners, and uh, calls us to show our faith in our practice. Uh, it's sometimes said, isn't it, that religion is a private matter, something that should be kept to ourselves, kept in church, uh, not shared. I actually think that a core belief of Christianity is that that's not the case, that the Christian faith uh, inherently calls us to share, uh, to live it out in our dealings with one another. A little example of, of this that uh, struck me a couple of years ago, I street pastored uh, in Exeter city centre. We were wiping sick off this young man's face uh, to try to help him get home safely after a night out. Um, he was very drunk, hence he'd been sick all over himself. We knew that no taxi would take him in that condition. And so street pastors trying to help people get home safely, uh, we were cleaning him up so that uh, a taxi might be able to take him and he'd be able to get home uh, safe and sound. His girlfriend was sat with us. Uh, she was a little more sober and she said, wow, you know, why are you doing this? Uh, I hope you're well paid. That's a pretty grim job to be doing. And uh, we said, no, no, we're volunteers from churches across Exeter and uh, the surrounding area. Um, and uh, she said, oh, churches, uh, you're Christians. I think that Christianity should be something that you just keep in church and not something that you share with others. And I said to her, uh, if we did that, we wouldn't be here wiping sick off your boyfriend's face, uh, trying to help him get home safely. The Christian faith uh, is something to be shared in action, in our care and our love with those around us, uh, in word and deed. And that's what James says here, don't just listen, but do. So we'll start by looking at who I want to spend um, probably a sizable slice of the session looking at the Jameses and uh, going a little deeper into um, who they are and what we know about them from scripture. Um, the author of the letter of James identifies himself as James, a servant of God uh, and of the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to identify which James this is. Uh, it's going to take us some detective work, some historical uh, detective work. So uh, we'll spend some time on that 
as the session goes on. There are a few uses of the name James uh, in the New Testament. So we have maybe one or two uh, different Jameses mentioned in various places known by uh, different nicknames. There may be as many as four. And um, we're going to cover them in order of appearance uh, to try to keep things as simple as possible. So it's a bit like movie credits, James in order of appearance. Firstly, we have James, the son of Zebedee, uh, who's also sometimes called James the Greater. Now, James the Greater just means the older James. Uh, doesn't necessarily make a value judgment as to how awesome he uh, was. The Gospels state that this James and his brother John were with their father by the shore of the Sea of Galilee when Jesus called them both to follow him. Uh, this same James and uh, John, his brother team, um, asked Jesus to grant them seats on his right and left in glory. But Jesus obviously knew that his glory entailed crucifixion first. And so he warned them that this would carry a cost. So that's James the Greater. And it's actually his day uh, we're celebrating today. James, this apostle. And uh, predictably, if we've got James the Greater, we therefore also have James the Less, or James the Lesser, a little bit awkward. Uh, maybe that's why he sometimes looks peeved in some icons. But remember, it just means James the Younger, uh, not a value judgment on him either. It may mean James the Shorter. Um, James the Greater might have been taller or uh, more heavily set. And James the Lesser was perhaps a slighter figure, but usually uh, in this context, James the Greater means James the Elder or Older, and James the Lesser would mean uh, James the Younger, uh, James uh, Majora and James Minora, uh, so Greater and Lesser. James the Younger is also known as James the son of Alphaeus after his father. Uh, for example, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all list James, the son of Alphaeus, uh, after having listed James, the son of Zebedee, a little earlier. So uh, the Gospels record both these Jameses. They all start by listing apostles with uh, the call of Peter and his brother Andrew. Then they report the call of James the Greater and his brother John uh, by the sea, as we just saw. And then after some healing ministry, uh, they report Jesus calling other apostles, including this James, the son of Alphaeus, uh, also therefore called James the Younger, simply because if there was already a James, it made sense to identify the second James in relation to uh, the uh, first James. I actually had a situation with some friends uh, a while ago uh, where, uh, I mean, I won't say what their names were, but like, let's assume it was Mark. We, we had one who was Mark the first and one who was Mark the second, because uh, the group of us had known Mark the first the longer. It's a similar pattern here. Um, this younger James is also usually mentioned in connection with other family members. For example, uh, Matthew 27 refers to Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, so a brother of uh, James, son of Alphaeus. And Mark helpfully clarifies that Mary, the mother of James, uh, the younger, and of Joseph, where Joseph here is just a variant spelling of Joseph in those days. Uh, they're both from the Hebrew name Yosef, 
changed a little into Greek, just like the name Mary can uh, also be Maria and so on. So that's James uh, the Great and James the Less. And finally, and uh, perhaps quite tantalizingly, we also have James the Brother of Jesus. Um, that's quite a nickname to bear and we'll spend some time musing uh, on him. So the Gospels record this incident when some of Jesus's critics are basically saying Jesus is just a bloke, uh, we know where he lives, we know his family, he's not all that, he's nothing special. They say um, isn't his mother's name Mary, aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon and Judas? reported in um, multiple gospels and so plain reads uh, of these scriptures say that Jesus had a brother called James as well as some other siblings and um, this James the brother of Jesus would presumably therefore have to be a third uh, James not James the son of Zebedee or James the son of Alphaeus but James the son of Joseph if uh, Mary and Joseph had gone on to have other children after Jesus. Another possibility though is that uh, Joseph may have died before Jesus grew up. Um, we don't hear about him in the Gospels after Jesus is about 12 and so maybe Mary remarried and had other children after Jesus uh, with a second husband, maybe one of whom was called James. So let's briefly entertain the possibility that James, the brother of Jesus, uh, could even be uh, James the son of Zebedee or James the son of Alphaeus if we could dig into uh, whether Zebedee or Alphaeus were married to Mary the mother of Jesus. We'll come back to that possibility later but before we go too far uh, down that line I want to stress that brother uh, here also means Aramaic, uh, it's from Aramaic and it can also mean cousin uh, or other close male relative, as there was no specific word in Aramaic for cousin, uh, the, the same word brother could be glossed as other close relative. This is important because uh, some Christians believe that Mary remained a virgin after giving birth to Jesus. And so it's important to be able to show from scripture uh, like this, that uh, James, the brother of Jesus, could actually be translated James the cousin of Jesus and uh, the word brother here doesn't in itself disprove the claim that Mary remained a virgin. Uh, so for example this James the brother of Jesus could actually be the son of one of Jesus' aunts or uncles and the phrase available to the writers would still have been brother. Uh, so we can't use this verse as proof that Mary went on to have other children I also mentioned there was no word really uh, for stepbrother or um, half-brother, so this the, the, the brother of Jesus might uh, uh, here mean stepbrother. Um, what I mean is possibly, uh, again, bearing in mind that Joseph appears to have died before Jesus uh, begins his ministry. It might be that Joseph was therefore uh, older than Mary, and uh, may have had a wife before Mary, and so might have had children from a previous relationship. 
And so this James might have been uh, Joseph's son uh, from uh, a previous relationship. And so in the eyes of the world uh, would have been an older uh, half-brother uh, or stepbrother of Jesus. I actually think, though, that that's the least likely explanation that uh, has been offered to understand why he's called James the brother of Jesus. For example, there's no mention of any siblings in Jesus's younger life. Um, what about the nativity records of when he's born? It's just Mary and Joseph traveling uh, with the donkey to Bethlehem. There are no other sons or daughters in the texts. Uh, when Joseph and Mary take Jesus to the temple uh, as an infant to be circumcised again, it seems it's just the three of them. And when the Holy Family fled to Egypt, uh, when Jesus was young, again, it seems to be just the three of them. And when Jesus goes to the temple when he's about 12 years old, uh, there's no mention of siblings or half siblings, step siblings, just Mary and Joseph coming looking for him. So I think I prefer the arguments either that Mary remarried when Jesus was older uh, or that these brothers and sisters are actually cousins, um, as we saw the word could mean uh, children of a brother or sister of maybe Mary or Joseph. And the writers just used this word uh, for James, which means male relative of Jesus, but has been understood or misunderstood by some as only ever meaning. Uh, James, the brother of Jesus. We can discuss that further later, but in summary so far, we have James the greater, uh, James the lesser, and uh, James the brother of Jesus, although this brother of Jesus may be a cousin uh, or the like, and may therefore be the same James as James the son of Zebedee or James the son of Alphaeus and not necessarily a third James. Some of you will be pleased to know we're getting there, uh, folks. That's uh, all from the Gospels. And finally, quite tellingly, we have just two Jameses named in the book of Acts. The first incident is in Acts 12, uh, verses 1 to 2, when James the Elder is beheaded by King Herod Agrippa. This happened uh, about AD 44. And this is the first James that we looked at, James, the son of Zebedee, uh, or James, the brother of John. And with all due respect to him and mindful of his tragic death and of this being his saint's day, uh, scholars think that his death at this point helpfully rules him out as the author of our letter of James, partly because the letter of James uh, seems to allude a bit to St Paul's ministry and Paul's first missionary journey, for example, didn't happen until maybe as late as AD 49. So James dying in AD 44 is way too early uh, for James the Older, James the son of Zebedee, to be the one writing the letter of James. The second James uh, recorded in Acts is a much likelier candidate. And he takes prominence after Acts 12 as the Bishop of Jerusalem. For example, St. Peter hands over to him in Acts 12, 17, after James the Elder has been executed. Peter flees the city and he um, uh, reports to James the Younger that that's where he's going. 
So this other James chairs the Synod of Jerusalem uh, or the Council of Jerusalem, which happens in Acts 15. And I think he's our guy for writing the letter of James. Because of his wise decision at the Council of Jerusalem in Acts 15, this second James in the book of Acts is also sometimes known as James the Just. And uh, he remained Bishop of Jerusalem for some 30 years. For example, he's still in post when St. Paul arrives, uh, uh, returning from uh, missionary trips with a collection of famine relief money uh, in Acts 21, which he'd gathered from churches in what's now Greece and Turkey. And he meets uh, St. James uh, there in Acts 21. Now, happily, James the Just is also thought by a lot of scholars to be James the Younger. Uh, James, the son of Alphaeus, our second James from the Gospels, too. And, uh, for example, the earliest records uh, of the death of James the Just report that he was martyred by being stoned to death uh, and buried near the temple. And uh, similarly, James, the son of Alphaeus, is recorded as having been killed in the same way uh, and in the same place and in being buried in the same place. So it looks likely We've got uh, multiple nicknames here for uh, just this one uh, second James. Uh, so possibly one James, James the Elder in the Gospels and another James, James the Younger in the Gospels. So two Jameses in the Gospels. And similarly in the Book of Acts, possibly one James called James the Elder uh, and then another James, James the Younger, uh, James the Great, James the Less. Uh, also known by their uh, father's names, James, son of Zebedee, James, son of Alphaeus. So ways to differentiate them from one another. It, it seems to me likely that we do just have the two Jameses here, um, the way that they're differentiated from one another. Uh, one is older, one is younger, uh, rather than if there were three Jameses, perhaps we might see uh, other uh, ways of differentiating them. But the, the picture to me that emerges from the Gospels and the Book of Acts, we've got these two Jameses and um, James the Younger rises to greater prominence after the uh, tragic martyrdom of James the Greater uh, in Acts 12. We're getting to the bottom uh, of who our James is now at last, some of you say, and uh, I could argue that this same James uh, James the Just is also James, um, uh, Jesus's cousin, and therefore the same James called uh, James the brother of Jesus, partly due to what we know about uh, his mother and father. But if you're curious about that, we could maybe chat more after the session and um, go into some of the uh, etymological links or the name links between uh, Alphaeus and um, uh, another male name that shows up in, uh, in scripture, Clopas, who's married to a Mary, and is, uh, that Mary is a relative of Mary, mother of Jesus. And we could paint the picture that uh, here we have um, uh, an aunt and uncle of Jesus called Mary and uh, Alphaeus, and that uh, we've got a son of Alphaeus called James, the brother of uh, Jesus, therefore James, the cousin of Jesus. But uh, that's probably enough detective work for most of us. 
so let's instead uh, spend the rest of the session um, looking at some of the themes. We'll have some time for uh, group discussion, small groups, and um, maybe seeking to apply uh, some of what we discuss together uh, to ourselves over the next few weeks. If you do have a copy of the Bible, um, could you open it to the letter of James if you can? Uh, I'd love to turn to a few verses in particular to look at as we outline some of the themes um, prominent in the letter of James. Giving you just a moment to uh, find the letter of James. Basically, goes Old Testament, New Testament, if you're in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, a ton of letters and Revelation. If you reach Revelation, you've gone too far. So just come back a little bit from Revelation and you should find James um, after Hebrews. So let's turn to page the first page of uh, James, James chapter one. It starts with a nice link uh, to our session last week, If uh, for those of you that, that uh, tuned in. Uh, on dispensations, James here says that he's writing to the 12 tribes, which refers to the 12 tribes of Israel. This means he's either writing to Jewish background Christians uh, and therefore uh, Israelites by birth. Uh, or, um, so that's as some suppose, or as more likely it seems to me, he's writing to all Christians uh, who see themselves now as part of Israel. As uh, St Paul puts it, grafted in, like um, uh, part of a plant being attached to another plant. Paul uses that language in Romans 11 and in Ephesians 2 to suggest that non-Jewish converts to uh, Christianity become part of uh, the biblical Israel. So that might be an interesting thought experiment for you, um, synergizing with the uh, theories we were looking at last week on dispensations and uh, to ask yourself, to what extent do you consider yourself uh, to be Jewish if you're Christian? And I'd love for us to look at that more uh, in future sessions as appropriate. Meanwhile, though, the rest of James's opening chapter, in my opinion, sets out his coming themes for the rest of his letter. For example, if you look at verse two, he commends uh, perseverance in the face of hardship. From this, we might infer that the recipients of his letter are suffering some hardship or persecution. And we do know that there was growing conflict between the Jews and the occupying Romans around this time. Uh, in fact, remember that Jesus himself was executed by the Romans largely because of political instability. And uh, then in AD 70, war eventually broke out between the Jews and the Romans, which led to the Romans destroying Jerusalem. Uh, hence, the only bit of the temple that remains is the Wailing Wall. So James might be writing to people facing conflict with the Romans, and uh, he encourages perseverance. But oftentimes, when James encourages us to do something, he gives a practical example or some pointer as to how 
uh, we might achieve this. And this is one of the things I personally love uh, most about James. For example, he suggests that perseverance is achieved through prayer. Uh, he says in verse five of chapter one, ask God who gives generously. And um, he offers, again, practical guidelines for persevering and for uh, surviving in a uh, conflict situation. Commends humility uh, versus pride in verse nine. Some of these juxtapositions, some of these uh, dichotomies, humility versus pride, for example, uh, read a bit like Hebrew wisdom literature. And James slips into sayings like uh, in verse uh, 19 of chapter one, be quick to listen, uh, slow to speak and slow to become angry. I feel that uh, looks a lot like scriptures from the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament and uh, similar literature. One of Proverbs' main themes is that the power of life and death is in the tongue, uh, that your words can speak life or death over people by building them up uh, or indeed by tearing them down. And so James says, those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves. You might compare also Proverbs 10.19, that sin is not ended by multiplying words, uh, rather the prudent hold their tongue. So again, as well as setting out what not to do, James often uh, offers clear pointers on what to do. He tells us to look after the most vulnerable in society, if you turn to James 1.27, and he tells us to not be like greedy people in the world around us who only look out for themselves. Uh, on selfishness too, in verse 14 of chapter 1, he warns that Everyone is tempted by their own evil desire and thus enticed to sin. And that it is uh, our evil desires which give birth to sin. This might be a timely moment to remind ourselves this all wraps round James's key message from chapter 1, verse 22. Be doers, uh, not just hearers. And that refrain leads into perhaps his most famous passage in chapter two. Uh, what good is it if someone says they have faith but does not have works? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Some critics have uh, suggested that this teaching from James uh, conflicts with uh, the teachings of St. Paul. For example, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 9. 
I wonder if I could get a, a guest uh, volunteer reader to just uh, be, be bold, unmute yourself, say you'll do it and read this scripture. It, it, it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Thank you very much, Caroline. Beautifully read. So some suggest that if James is teaching that uh, faith without works can't save you. And um, Paul says in Ephesians that uh, works can't save you, only grace. That here we maybe have a, a, a dichotomy, an extreme of two views um, somehow both found their way into scripture and uh, how can we um, how can we understand or, or believe both when they uh, in a way might suggest uh, opposite uh, theologies well um, I, I want to suggest actually that they're not opposites and that uh, St James and St Paul ultimately agree um, the very next verse in Ephesians from Paul is that uh, we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. It seems likely, contextually, that uh, James and Paul are both dealing with opposite extreme errors. Um, that uh, Paul is writing to Christians who've started to try to save themselves by doing good works or by following the Torah, the law. They think in order to uh, earn favour with God, they have to abide by Torah. And that, that essentially would mean what Jesus um, did as Christus Victor, defeating sin and death uh, on the cross and in his resurrection might be rendered uh, irrelevant. Paul says, no, it is by God's grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. Uh, you've not been saved by work so that none of you can boast. However, because you're saved, uh, because you're a Christian, uh, because you're God's handiwork, you should know that you've been created uh, to do good works. And I think this is what James is engaging with. There may have been Christians who were thinking to themselves, fantastic, uh, I've been reconciled with God because of what Christ has done I can therefore sit back on my laurels and um, I don't know just kind of vibe until I'm promoted to glory uh, either when I die or when Jesus returns in glory and that my faith doesn't need to have any uh, practical implication for how I live and that's why James uh, is rebuking and correcting that error saying no uh, if you have a faith that you do not put into action, then your faith is uh, is dead. How could you say to someone uh, who's hungry, um, go be filled when your um, compassion, your grace, your mercy should move you to uh, help on a practical level to uh, provide food and to feed the hungry? So that's... Um, the theme of uh, James's second chapter. And it's the theme of uh, that overarches really the whole letter. That our faith ought to be put into practice uh, for practical alleviation of the needs uh, of those around us. Service 
to those around us. So he returns in chapter three. If, uh, continuing to scroll through or turn through the pages of uh, the epistle or the letter of James, if you've got your copy open, looking at James 3, 5 to 6. He warns, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire. Small sins uh, can lead to a forest fire in your life. Uh, small uh, misspoken words can quickly lead to conflagrations. And chapter four builds on this theme. James says in verses one to three, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Uh, you desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Notice how this connects with some of those themes we saw introduced in uh, chapter one. He's talking about uh, our evil desires that give birth to sin. He's talking about misuse of the tongue, causing quarrels and disunity. And this is uh, pivoting on the fact that uh, prayer is offered throughout James as a practical solution. You do not have because you do not ask God a call to prayer. But when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. So a call not just to prayer, can I please have a pony or a rocket ship, but prayer that is in line with everything else James is saying, uh, service and love of others. So he finishes in chapter five with uh, another condemnation of greedy, uh, uber rich people who don't help the poor, alongside a call to the rest of us to be patient and to stand firm. Uh, he lists once again some examples to illustrate his point. For example, he lists Old Testament folk who were patient during hardship. And once again, he lists practical steps, uh, offering especially prayer and praise. I'm going to take some time now for a small group discussion. I guess uh, fairly free ranging as um, this is our last uh, kind of themed session before summer social sessions. So uh, feel free just to kind of chat if that's the way that your group goes, kind of segue into what we'll be doing over the next few weeks. But um, do you want to discuss the uh, what you've heard so far? Perhaps um, share what's spoken to you, perhaps um, what's challenged you, and to consider what we'd looked at as folk were arriving at the beginning. In what ways do you show that you're a Christian? I'd particularly like you to consider then this question, what is the good news? What's the gospel? Uh, is the gospel simply that it is by grace uh, you are saved through faith and uh, not by works that none may boast? Or is it more than that? 
what's the good news to the poor? Uh, what's good? What's God's good news for the hungry? But is the gospel just? Uh, feed the hungry, help the poor. Or is it more than that? There is a spiritual component that sometimes in social justice uh, we overlook. There's a phrase uh, that the body without a spirit is a corpse. A spirit without a body is a ghost. And so uh, to some say is the gospel. That a, a practical and bodily lived gospel without a spirit, uh, without the spirit of the gospel behind it is a corpse. But an overly spiritualized gospel with no practical outworking, no practical way of expressing it, is just like a ghost. Okay, folks, welcome back. And uh, I hope you enjoyed the groups, uh, whether you were just chatting or whether you were discussing uh, the content of uh, the letter of James or uh, the different Jameses uh, that we've met in the session. Whether you're beginning to reflect on uh, how you might be a doer of the word this summer. Uh, to reference James 122. I'm popping in chat a song called uh, God of Justice, and um, it might be that you'd like to uh, click on that and um, have that open as, as a link that you can listen to. Maybe it will be a blessing to you, uh, to, 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 to encourage you, to uh, empower you as, uh, as a blessing to send you out, uh, have, to have something to go to straight after the session. We're going to end now with uh, uh, by slowing it right down and taking a moment uh, to pray through our session. And so this collect, which simply means uh, to collect together our prayers. O oh Lord, from whom all good things come. Grant to us, your servants, that by your holy inspiration, we may think those things that are good, and by your merciful guiding, we may perform the same. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And dear friends, we started Thrive at the end of last year, uh, in the middle of uh, a winter lockdown. We've taken in sessions on martyrs and on saints and in a way we've come full circle uh, looking at a couple of particular uh, martyrs and saints today. Um, St James the Great, St James the Less. But uh, I know we're not stopping at taking in info uh, that we are each seeking to find ways to be a blessing uh, to those around us, to uh, live out our Christian faith and um, I hope that you've been uh, able to encourage one another in the groups uh, that we've enjoyed uh, not just this session but in previous sessions as well. Over the next few weeks um, Thrive uh, in August so starting next week Sunday the 1st of August uh, running through to uh, Sunday the 29th of August, will be Thrive at Space for Faith uh, socials. We'll be using the same link 
but there won't be a, a kind of a themed teaching slot. It will just be an opportunity to one another, one another, um, to care for one another, to uh, socialize, but also maybe pray for one another, uh, encourage and uphold, uplift one another. So do come back uh, next Sunday, same link, same time. And um, for the Sundays over August, uh, do as ever invite friends and um, that'll be a good opportunity to maybe go into breakout groups or depending on numbers uh, just to share together uh, how you are and um, to share prayer needs and to support each other so that's um, the next few weeks we will come back with a program of lead sessions uh, in the new academic year um, with uh, specific topics not unlike the, uh, the, 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 the sessions that we've done uh, outside of kind of the summer vac or half term um, breaks so we've got that to look forward to as well uh, I'll be sticking around I think for the next maybe uh, 20 minutes half hour if any of you want to uh, chat a little longer but um, do feel free to click on uh, leave but don't you miss that link uh, open that up in another window uh, so you can enjoy that song uh, as you go um, God of justice. Thank you so much for coming. If you would like any more information, please go to the website www.spaceforfaith.co.uk.